We are continuing on our main topic for this month, and may I take the opportunity to welcome all those of you who are here with us for the first time today. You've already found out that we're a noisy people, and uh, sorry, we apologize, but uh, we get worse sometimes, but we thank God for his grace. Yeah, last week, Murtumatola uh, continued on when I started on the first Sunday to talk about foundations. And we know that foundations are important. And, and, and today, I want to talk about, because today and next week, Sunday, we're talking about the foundation of the word today, the foundation of prayer next week. Now, I don't know how far I'm going to go with my sermon. The people in the first service only got two points out of seven. So you pray that God becomes gracious on you to get at least four, maybe not seven. But the foundation of God's word, Barcelona, is what we need to teach people, new believers and old believers alike, of the importance of God's word in their lives. I'm realizing now in hindsight how lucky some of us were when we became Christians, that in our early days of being believers, we were introduced to the concept of Bible studies and devotions. You've heard me say, I got saved through Youth Alive, and I started going to Youth Alive for the Bible studies. My brother-in-law, Abu Jerem King, would do the Bible studies. And... We used to have this on Wednesdays. And then at Youth Alive, we were taught about devotions. And I found later that this is what all the youth ministries were teaching. Youth Alive, Youth with a Mission, Scripture Union, uh, Teen Outreach, and all of those. They taught us, as young believers, the discipline of reading the Bible systematically. First of all, they would teach you to have, that's where we got the word devotions. Bishop Doug calls it a quiet time. It's, it's, it's called different things by different people. And in this quiet time, or in these devotions, you, you take time on a daily basis to just read the Bible. Just read. You know, you go through the Bible, either you read one chapter to another, or sometimes you follow a particular topic. And today there are so many, uh, there's so much material, even on the internet, wherein you can subscribe to somebody like Rick Warren or someone who has a devotional. You know, my bishop does that one. I think, which one was it? Yeah, Rick Warren. And every now and then she shares with me what she was learning. There's a one she was talking about, yeah, procrastination. I even asked her to copy me. That, you know, these days we live in the days of cutting and pasting. <laughs> so, you know, so, you know, it gives you, and it, it, what it does to you, Bazalana, is it builds a discipline of studying the Bible for yourself on a daily basis. And by the time the year ends, you've covered so much ground. In fact, there are certain programs that if you follow it by the end of the year, you will have read the Bible from cover to cover. There's many people who have never read the Bible from cover to cover. This is the same response I got in the last service. <laughs> which is a very telling response. Because it's very likely that the person sitting next to you has never read the Bible from cover to cover. And what we have done, unfortunately, in our kind of churches, is that we also don't have, and I've been talking about it too long, I think it's about time we do something about it. We don't even have the practice of Bible study. You know, we used to do Bible studies where we huddle around, we either do a topic or we study a book. So let's say we study the book of Ephesians. First of all, you look at who wrote it, what was the historical context, what are the main things that are being addressed, who was being addressed, why he said what he said. Or sometimes you bring, um, you talk about topics, is there hell? Is there a real hell? And, and as young people, they would give us assignments to go and do research, and we would come back. And so, so even when people challenged us about our faith, we knew how to defend what we believe. The epistle of Peter says, you must have 
a reason. You must be ready with an answer to give a reason why you have the faith that you have. But today, many Christians don't study the Bible. They don't even do Bible study. Lots of Christians just read one verse. They don't even know who, it was, who was being addressed, why it was said. And when it comes to a defense for faith, we don't. And so the way people think Christianity ought to be lived is to swing from one branch of miracle to another. So we've raised a group of Christians and a crop of Christians. Please, I don't mean to say it in a, in a way that is not respectful. But we've raised a, 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 a group of believers who are sensationalists because they think Christianity is swinging from one sensationalism to another. So when, when funny doctrines come, people get swept away by those doctrines. And then they find out that those doctrines... They are pooper. I don't know in English what pooping is. They, they are pooper. They fade. Is that English? They fade. I hope pooper sounds more powerful. <laughs> you know, I've heard people, and I'm not saying our church is better than others, but people leave a sound teaching church like ours and other churches, go over and go and eat grass, drink petrol or whatever. And then years later, this petrol hurts them. Oh, this grass constipates them or something. <laughs> and then they come crawling back. And then when they come to me, they say, Hey, Labantu, you must expose them. They're not preaching. Them. And I say to them, Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Hang God's way is to build systematically into your life through his word. And when you build your life on the foundation of the word of God, you are building on something that will last forever. And you know, this is where maybe some of us who are Pentecostals or Charismatics, who are more into, we are a very expressive people in the way we worship God. And there's nothing wrong with that. We think that the quiet people who don't do what we do, and yet when you analyze you find these batting ones being more consistent, staying in for longer than us sensationalists. Because many of them have learned to interrogate the Bible, read it and have a solid foundation of preaching that even if there's no sensation, they still believe in their God. So we've raised a group of people who love sensation. They don't come to church because they're looking forward to the preaching. No, they're hoping you can do some razzmatazz. And if you don't do any razzmatazz, they say the spirit of God is not here. But when you read the way Jesus used to do ministry, Jesus prioritized preaching and teaching. It was his number one thing. This is the pattern. Jesus modeled that pattern. Let me show you a few scriptures. In Mark 4, 23, it says, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues. A synagogue is like a church building. So teaching is what we must do inside the church. Biblical teaching. Is teaching? No. Teaching. A, a church is not a place... Yes, we do other things, but the first thing we must do and the first thing we must prioritize like Jesus did is to teach people. You should be here because you want to receive teaching. And what people don't understand is that the extent to which you hunger and thirst after teaching is the extent to which God will release the fullness of the ministry that stands before you. I've preached in many nations of the world. There are churches where people don't value teaching. You know, there are places where their preliminaries are so long. Two hours, two and a half hours. 
that by the time Uzoshimaela and Abantu Bakatel, and even by the time you preach, you can see these people have no interest in what you're talking about. They haven't brought Bibles. They are not reading with you. They are not taking notes. How many of you are sitting next to somebody like that? <laughs> if they are a first-time visitor, we forgive them. We understand. If they are first-time, don't make the banababa to they must feel bad. If you are a first-time, you are welcome. But if it's not your first-time. You see them sitting there. You can see they are texting. They are on WhatsApp. Huh? They are getting mixed up on Big Sit. Is it still there? They're on Instagram. Mix it is not there. Oh, you don't know that I know Instagram. They're on Instagram. They're doing all kinds of, you can see, you can see. When I'm standing, when I'm watching, some of you don't know. We can see what you're doing. We can see. When someone is listening, you can see it. But you can see their mind is somewhere because they're just waiting for you to do the miracles. And then they come alive. Oh. You would think Jesus, being the greatest miracle worker in the world, that would be his style of ministry. He will go out just dishing out miracles and doing all kinds of matter. That's not what he did. In all instances, Jesus would always teach and preach and then heal. Except in cases where people came asking for help. He would help right away. But his style and his... You see, when you read the Bible, you got to, you got to see certain things that are just not obvious. The pattern that Jesus painted and the style he adopted was the pattern of preaching, teaching, and healing in that order. And when he came into the synagogue, into a church building, he would teach. When he went out to the multitudes out there, he would preach. And there's a reason for that. So Jesus established that priority in his life. It says he went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues, note, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Somebody say teaching, teaching. Preaching, preaching, and healing. Amen. Look it up on the screen. Say it again. Teaching, teaching. Preaching, preaching, and healing. Amen. I've seen sometimes when people come to church, you know sometimes people come in at a time when you're praying for the sick. And I've seen people come in, make a straight beeline all the way straight to the front door. <laughs> the most hilarious thing for me has been when I've, through the one of letters, called out women who had women conditions that only women have. <laughs> Exclusively for the women. And you see this guy coming in, coming all the way straight, standing in the front. He doesn't even check who Emily Bamang prayed. And I said to them, Why was he no Funum Kulego? For in Angaz and Kulega. Look at your neighbor and say, that sounds like somebody I know who's sitting next to me. Yeah, yeah. When people don't value teaching, you find that during teaching in the church, that's when they walk around a lot. That's what you see in our church. I don't want ushers giving me water, cleaning my shoes during preaching. They must sit down and listen. You know, in some places when you go, you see these people, Muruti, Paiki, Metsi, Hey, And I say, hey, I will take care of my own mufufut. When I shall a panty, Ubabum Are you there, Bazala? Luke chapter 5, verse 3, the NIV says, And Jesus got into one of the boats. The one belonging to Simon. And he asked him to put him out a little from shore. That pushed the boat a little bit offshore. Now note. Then Jesus sat down and taught the people from the boat. Yeah. You want to know the pattern for ministry? Huh? Who can improve on what Jesus has done? Who do we think we are? Yeah? Who do we think we are? To digress from the pattern that Jesus, the Lord of the church, has said. If there's a pastor and a minister who is a pastor of pastors, if there's an apostle who is an apostle among the apostles, a prophet among the prophets, if there is a pattern after which I want to pattern how I do ministry, it's Jesus. Who do we 
think we are on a sometimes in some places there's no preaching. People are rolling on the floor, but tata, they are doing all kinds. Who, who do we think we are? And that's why the Christians today cannot stick out for what they believe. That's why every little kind of doctrine just sweeps them away. Because they don't have a foundation of the solid rock, which is the word of the living God. Note in John chapter 8 verse 2, it says, And early in the morning, Jesus came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him. You would think he would pray for them? No. He sat down and taught them. I like this sitting down thing. Maybe one day Dame, I'll sit down. Sat down and taught them. Yeah. Look what the apostles did. They followed that pattern. Acts chapter 2. After Bapulus, 3,000 got saved. Verse 41. Those who accepted the message of Peter were baptized. About 3,000 were added to the number that day. Verse 42. They devoted themselves. That's where the word devotion came from. The word devote means to give yourself holy. Huh? It's a priority. It's something they devoted themselves to what? To the apostles' teaching. And to the fellowship. To the breaking of bread and to prayer. Four things they did. Teaching. Fellowshipping. Breaking bread. Prayers. This is not what we do in churches. <laughs> People don't like those things. Fellowship, that's why we have the cell group. That's why we want you to fellowship. Yeah? Yeah, I can tell you why some of you listen to Amen. Already you know you are not going. <laughs> fellowship is important. Why? Because connecting with other believers is what keeps you going. You got to connect in this church. If you don't get connected in a small group, you'll feel lost. I'm telling you. You'll feel like a stranger here. It's a big church, this one. So we created these smaller groups where you can connect with people who will know you, know where you stay, know about you, know what you're going through, who can pray with you, give you support, who will be the first one at your home if anything happens there. They'll be there at your wedding. They'll be there at the funeral in your home. They'll be there. Yeah, but some of you, you don't belong. You don't belong. You don't want to do fellowship. You don't want to devote yourself. And then when something happens and nobody comes to Rabantuba, Abanatando. But the truth is this, but let's tell the truth. Usually people support somebody they know. No, 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 no. Don't give me that half-hearted yes. I'm telling you the truth. Yeah. Fellowshipping. What about prayers? You know, when people, we thank God for here, but many places when you call a prayer meeting, it's a very weak attendance. Not many people come. But say, I'm going to have a seminar of how to be a millionaire in seven minutes. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, yeah. I will have a third-dimensional multiplicity of a third-dimension anointing of the first century in Jerusalem of Salem. You will see. <laughs> people will be running over each other. And then you see in many places, people are there hours and hours. But when really, and I'm a leader. Please, I'm talking as a leader. I'm not just talking. You follow those people's lives. You go higher. Who taka taka ani? Muto hana order. Sahe ko rala ko fatse. Go higher. Salah atalo alula alul. Hopefully you tapi le ko lanza rala mo ale shapi weke ke kuapaitis. You look at them they're in their, their devotional life, the way they handle their family, the way they handle their finances, just the way they carry themselves. You realize Mutohana order. The Christian love must affect every area of your life. And I'll show you later. When you when you believe God's word, it goes into every area of your life. God's word will organize every area. 
Because God addresses every area of your life from his word. He talks to you about your spiritual life. He talks to you about your relationships. God talks to you about how to handle your finances. God talks to you about how to deal with your health. God talks to you about your career. God talks to you about your marital relationship. How to raise your children. How to respond to your husband. Respond to your wife. God talks to you about church attendance. God talks to you about everything. But people who don't make God's word a center of their lives and all they want is just to have hands laid upon them. Because people don't want to have the discipline to follow God's word and develop these disciplines over a long time. I'd rather you lay hands on me for me to start telling the truth. Make his hand down. Even when they testify, they're still lying. Yes, the They've been delivered from lying. Whereas when you use God's word, God's word will address you. I'll show you in a while. God's word sanctifies us, it prunes us, it cuts things from us, but it's a systematic way. God wants to deal with you systematically. What a whole organizer So we've got to prioritize God's word in church as we preach. We've got to prioritize God's word in our our lives. You should be reading God's word on a daily basis. You should be listening to God's word on a daily basis. You should be having a discipline. Acts 15.35, Paul and Barnabas continued in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. Acts 28, verse 30 and 31. Then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence. Preaching, teaching. Preaching, teaching. The centrality of God's word. That's what the apostles said in Acts chapter 6 when the church started growing. And they noticed that they couldn't give food to all the people because the number was great. Then they said, listen, we we are going to ask you to choose seven other people who will serve tables, who will do this ministry of giving people food. But we, we will give ourselves. That's devotion. We'll give ourselves continually to the ministry of the word and to prayer. A wise pastor values preaching. A wise pastor spends time studying the word, researching the word, preparing his sermon. Because whether you speak for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, one hour, that one hour, that 30 minutes can spell a difference between life and death in somebody's life. When you stand and preach God's word, God's word can do more in somebody's life than your lying prophecy. God's word can do more in your people's life than your own personality. Sometimes we bring our personalities to the pulpit. We bring our own thinking and our own thoughts and our own way. But we've got to give people God's word. We've got to do what Paul says when he talks to Timothy, the pastor, to Timothy, preach the word. Preach the word. Preach it in season and out of season. Preach it whether amen or havare amen. Preach it whether barata or havarati. Shimae elawena. Tomon tonsabatu raralintu lamudimu. It's a value. It's a value. It's a value. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Peter says in First Peter 2, 1 and 2. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speaking as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Desire, desire, desire. La pela la mudimu, desire. I'll tell you something. If you come here with a desire to learn, if you come here with a desire to receive from God, God will not disappoint you. I'm telling you. I preach in many places. You can tell as a preacher. That as you stand, people pull things out of you. Because when you stand, you stand with the mantle of God upon your life. And the anointing of God on your life. You are a vessel that God wants to use. A channel that God wants to use. 
I tell you something. When the people are hungry, God pours more through you. Oh, shaba, yaba, 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 yaba. When the people are expectant, when the people are receiving, when the people are attentive, when the people want to learn and they want to understand, there's more that God does through you. But I've been in places where you can see the people don't care. They want you to tell jokes and funny stories. They're not interested in God's word. They're sitting there half-hearted, absent-minded. And that way, you are blocked. And when they leave, they say, oh, you, do, you don't know how to preach. And I say, well, you don't understand. It's, it's not so much just the person preaching. It's about the people sitting in the aisle. I hope you are one of those people who is desiring the word of God. If your neighbor didn't raise their hand, just bump them and say, raise your hand. Man, now you better desire. The New Living Translation reads, So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave. You know, you get to a point where when you haven't read the word, you feel something is missing. So many of us, we don't realize that much as you can develop bad habits, you can develop good habits. In the same way, you can house I know some of you don't know that. You can get hooked as much on the Bible as you are hooked on ganja, marijuana, weed. Preach it. God wants you to develop new spiritual appetites. God wants you to develop new cravings and desires. Yeah. When you haven't prayed, when you haven't gone to church, am I talking to your people in this house? Hebrews chapter 6 is, I love it. When it goes down, it, it, it talks about people who have, who have used the word of God. It says, it says, these are those who by reason of using the word have their senses exercised to descend between both good and evil. You get to a point where even your senses are exercised to stay away from evil. God's word is powerful, Basalan. It's more powerful than sin. It's more powerful than... Yeah, I know, I know, I know you don't understand it. See, some of these things, if you don't do them, you won't understand the power that's there. There's much more power to do good than there is to do evil. Evil has never been more powerful than good. In the same way, light will never be more powerful than, I mean, darkness will never be more powerful than light. And this is the light of God's word. When you walk in the light of the word of God, the blood of Jesus cleanses you from all sins and God keeps you. God keeps your desires different to you. Desire and long for the things of God. David says as a, as a deer panteth for the water brooks. So my soul longs after you. Oh, that I might be found in your presence, oh God. We are told that a deer cannot live without water. You've seen that on uh, National Geographic, some of you, some of these animals, the way they desire water. When a thirst, thirst has come in and the desire for water has come in, even if they can see that there's a stream there and there's crocodiles over there, they would rather risk their lives. So strong is the passion and the desire for water that even if crocodiles are swimming in there, they're going to go there. I see you desiring God with everything on the inside of you. That you'll find God more attractive than drugs. More attractive than sex out of marriage. You'll find God more attractive than evil. May God grant you that desire in the name of Jesus. But these things are built in your life. As you crave. As newborn babes crave the pure milk of the word. So that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. And it says, cry out for this nourishment. It's God's word that makes us grow. You know, just like a child growing. You know, a child at a point, there's things they can't do. Like a new Christian, there's things that you can't do. It's not that you are not a full human being. It's not that like you are not a child of God. 
you're a child of God, but you're still young. You're still a baby. So we can understand physiology. Is that the right word? Hmm? We can understand how it's fam fam. We can understand when you chichiriza. We can understand. Mara, as you make God's word the center of your life, you start growing. I see you growing. I said, I see you growing. I said, I see you growing. You see, some of you don't want to grow. I said, I see you growing. I see you growing. You know, when you look at some of, you know, some of the kids, you know, some of you, you were born prematurely. You're just a little bit of thing like that. Oh, no, that's too small. Whatever size. And it's very interesting how these premature kids, they will grow up to be these big hunks of guys. These tall, strong ladies. Not some of our small ones. But what made them grow is what they ate, what they fed on, what they were nourished on. Even if it's a small onion thing, on the inside they were carrying a giant. It all depended on what they feed upon. It depends on good nourishment. I'm saying there's a giant killer on the inside of you. Oh, I'm saying you haven't yet discovered who you are, Danasakaya. There's more to you than what you see. If you can just feed on the word of God, can I hear an amen? So we need people to get hooked on the word. Why? I'll tell you why. Jesus says in Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth will pass away. But my words will by no means pass away. And this is my experience as I've seen in the Christian walk why certain people stay for the long haul. The one difference, their relationship with the word of God. Yeah. They read the Bible, practice the Bible, did the Bible, whatever. The other guy, no Bible. So when temptations come, they have no strength. So let's look at this, Bazalan. As we talk about the value of God's word. Number one, what is the value? And given the time, I think I'll also give you only two points. <laughs> Number one. Listening to and hearing the word of God will build your faith. Okay, let me say that again because I thought you would say more amens than the two that I got. Listening to and hearing God's word will build your faith. But faith doesn't come by praying. Oh, Faith doesn't come by fasting. Faith cometh by hearing. Look at Romans chapter 10, 17. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. See, all of us, according to Romans chapter 5, let me explain this. It just comes to my spirit now. When you become a Christian, when the day you receive Christ, is the same process you heard. That Jesus can save it. Faith came. You believed. And then you acted. And bam, you got saved. Are you there, Basala? But then the Bible says in Romans 5 that God has given. Romans 12, rather. God has given every man the measure of faith. Now, you know, some people interpret that verse to say when we got saved, God looked at us and said, okay, oh, now, now. <laughs> I'm going to give you faith, two tons worth of faith. Two tons. Well, no, no, one kilogram. <laughs> so people kind of think God gives this one big faith and gives this one small faith. That word measure is not talking about size. But it talks about a portion taken off. 
And all of us starts with the same amount. So when you, when you get saved, God gives you a portion of faith and imparts it to your heart. That's why we call you a believer, because you believe. So that portion, it's up to you to develop it. So when you are a young believer, there are things that you can believe for because that is the capacity of your faith. Depending on how much you feed your faith and grow your faith, that will be the same extent to which you can believe for more. But how does faith come? It cometh by hearing. So the more you hear God's word and listen to God's word and practice God's word is the more the capacity of your faith that you start with grows. It's almost like when you go to the gym. You already have muscles. The gym doesn't give you muscles. You already have lungs. The gym doesn't give you lungs. But when you train... You push your lungs and your gym and your, and your muscles to a new capacity. The first day at the gym when you're on the treadmill, you can't even run for four minutes non-stop without rubbing. You're like, you're going to have a heart attack. <laughs> What's the key? Come back to the gym. Ah, you're not hearing me. tomorrow with aching muscles. Come back. If you run for two minutes, do another two minutes. It's in doing the two minutes that develops the capacity for the four minutes. That's how you grow. When I started years ago, I used to train. You can see I'm not training anymore. I used to be really big. You know, I was really huge. Until I started getting too many compliments. And I just felt, no, people are no longer listening to my sermon. They're watching it in the hockey. They're looking at my pecs. And I said, nah, no, I'm not, I don't want people to look at me. So I lost all that weight. And at least now I can see you're listening to the Bible. You don't care about this thin guy in front of you. Shaba, yaba, yaba. Nyabonga, Jesu. But when I started training, you know, my, my, my coach gave me weights to bench press. You know, five kgs, this are five kgs, 10 kilograms, just to bench press. I couldn't bench press 10 kilograms. I couldn't. It was going like this. I was so embarrassed. Because there were ladies around, you know. <laughs> I know some of you don't want to accept that. Some of you go, lady. Then when you go to the men's dressing room, like I hey, out here, I'll, 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 I'll stretch. Ah! They don't even care, my brother. They don't even care. I'm ladies, you do the same. Anyhow, um, so, so yeah, I am. I'm bench pressing. I was so embarrassed. I was embarrassed. Ah, but I said, no, it doesn't matter. This is all that I can do. So I, I stayed on that 10 kilograms for two weeks. By the second week, I was saying, hi, man. <laughs> you know, he said, I must do 10 reps, and I was doing 20. And my coach said, oh, I can see. So he added five more, five more. So it was 10, 10, 20 kgs. And, uh, and it was... Go to your point, I remember when I was at my peak, I could bench press 80 kilograms. Now, for those of you trained, you know that's not easy. And I was at 76 kilograms. I could bench press more than my body weight. That's big. those guys. Have you seen some of those guys? So, when I. But the truth is, that's where you were. 
two years ago. <laughs> Took me two years. Be a big guy. You know, the shirts are do twara he. Laura Robert illustrator with us all Jesus. I'm telling you. What's the secret? Going back. On the treadmill, I could do 10 minutes, 30 minutes. Sometimes I'll do, you know, the, the, the kind of the circuit. This is before the cross training came in. You know, the circuit is a, it's a mixture of, uh, of cardiovascular exercises and weights. You know, I used to time myself. I would do it right on the dot and hit heavy weights. Watch out. But it's amazing, it took me three, four years to get there. Same way. As a newborn baby. You find that there are certain things you can't do right now. You can't believe for certain things. When you pray, your prayers don't get answered. You don't stop praying. Go back to the gym. Keep listening to the word. Are you understanding what I'm saying to you? Don't let the people in your home discourage you. But oh, yeah, well, no, you are wasting your time. Hey, I'm still a baby. You can't expect me, Kille, one day old, to start running. I am still a baby. Are you understanding what I'm saying, Bazalon? You start somewhere. And in the process of time, I was strong. So what do you do? See, when I started as a pastor's first church, 35 people, and you only had 120 runs. And I was believing God. God increased the offering. Jesus. We can't do much with 120. Church is growing. We need more expenses. And I remember finally after a while, I think after one year, the offering was 1,000 rands. Hey, I was so happy. Hey. 1,000. How shaba. So I was with Pastor Ray one day, and Pastor Ray was asking, Mosa, you know, he calls me Mose. I don't know why he calls me Mose. Mose, how's things going? And don't call me Mose. Only Pastor Ray can call me Mose. Mose, how are things? Was how Pastor Ray things are so well? And then he said, "How are the finances?" I said, "Joe, for the first time this month we reached a thousand rands." He said, "What? You must come and give a testimony." Pastor at the faith convention, imagine at celebration, breaking news. <laughs> Here I'm standing. Oh, I want to thank the Lord. After one year of trusting God, now last week we got a thousand rents, and the people gave me a standing ovation. Oh. You know, when I look at that today, I realize right, what a long way we have come. <laughs> but Mamela, in that 120 rents, there was this building. That same measure of faith as I kept on listening to the word, practicing the word, believing the word, acting on the way, started growing and growing and growing. Now, by God's grace, we build a structure. And as we speak, not too long ago, we bought three churches recently. Three churches, cash. <laughs> but remember, Bazalana, it's 30 years later. Yeah. But you see, this is not what people do. People don't want to take the process and the journey. No, they want to beg his hand away. Instead of building the discipline of hearing God's word. I listen to the word all the time. My wife will tell you. When I'm at home, I'm listening all the time. But them come to they know. Even when we come here, sometimes I like, you see these soccer players. I don't know what you call it. I don't know what you call it. Because I've realized the more I hear, the more my faith grows. 35 people, 30 years ago, 22,000 people, 35,000 people, Orlando Stadium. Same faith. I'm trying to tell you, you can do it also in the name of Jesus. Oh, you're not hearing what I'm saying. I said your capacity can grow. But it's the word of God. As you feed on God's word. 
on a daily basis and as you practice. One last point. Point number two. Marke point number seven on my notes. But we don't have time. Sorry. I, I didn't realize Simone and I did less. So it needs three services actually. Number two, which is number seven. <laughs> the word of God, when believed and acted upon, it grows and increases and affects every area of your life. The word of God, when believed and acted upon, it grows and increases and affects every area of your life. Acts chapter 6 verse 7 it says, And the word of God increased. And the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. And I know he talked about the word of God spreading all over. But the principle applies. The word will increase in your life. Watch this verse 1. Jesus says the word of God is like leaven. Yeast. You know when you take yeast. And you put it in dough. You give that yeast time to work itself into the rest of the lamp. And note, you can't fast track that process. You can create a conducive environment by whatever. then you can wrap up the container in some blanket, put it in the sun. That's all you can do. And you give it time. Somebody say time. time. Somebody say time. time. Somebody say time. time. Yeast by nature, locked inside of it, is transformational power. Give the yeast enough time as long as it stays in the dough. And you create the right environment. Just give it time. It's going to affect the entire door. I'm prophesying. I said I'm prophesying. God's word in your life is like that. It's, it's almost like this is your life. You know, our life consists in many things. See, it's my spiritual life. It's my health. It's my finances. It's my relationships here. It's my career, mole. It's protection money. It's everything. See, this is all my life. So, oh, here we come and we have a life full of weeds everywhere. And when we get saved, Jesus just works on this small plot, which is your spiritual life. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. But the all things that are new is not everything. It's just your spiritual life. You're no longer the same person in Upper. So the spiritual life has been changed now. This part of the garden has been changed. But even if this part is changed, and it comes and it there's still weeds in other areas of my life. My financial life is still totally out of kilt. Health, I am sick as sick can be. My relationships are so bad, I still have unforgiveness and bitterness. Come on, my family is in tatters. And don't you dare not trust in this or young. When you read what Paul says about the church in Corinth, he says to them, the things that they're doing, even people How many of you know Christians like that? How many of you are sitting next to somebody like that? But if you will give the word of God time. Ah, Jesus. Believe it. Receive it. Hear it. Act on it. So here I am in church. At least in the sea, we see. But my financial life, and then the word is preached. And I'm taught how to have good sense finance according to God's word. 
So I go into that part with the word of God. And Unkulunkulu starts taking off all the weights. Ah. It's not everything that's there, Maroxalayo. At least these two parts in Piloniam is right. Maramole, Santa Naketakatakana, Maroxalayo, the word of God increases. It's like yeast. When it comes into your life, it starts working itself into every area. If you will give it time. Our problem is our inconsistency. Our problem is our lack of focus. Our problem is that we don't do it again. That's what God told Joshua. He said, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. Thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Do it day and night. Jesus says, if you continue, if you continue, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, then you will know the truth, and the truth is I keep on my weeds. You will be free indeed. So the word of God increases. Not the next one in the book of Acts. I love this one. Not only does the word of God increase, Acts 12, 24, it says, but the word of God grew and multiplied. Woo! Not only does the word of God grow, it multiplies. What does it mean? The more you stay on it, the more God works on things, you get into a process where now you move into incremental growth. The speed of change becomes faster and easier and better. Let me give you an example. If you invest a million rands right now, and they say, we're going to give you interest yet 10% per month, let's say. So you invest it in January. End of January, how much do you get if for interest? 1,100,000, am I right? Okay, 1,100,000 rands. All right. So you don't put in any more money. You only started with 1 million. The next month, they give you interest not on one million, on one million one hundred thousand. You are shaking your head. You can't sit in the front if you can't give me my answers. <laughs> one million two hundred and ten thousand runs plus minus. Remember, you haven't added any more money, but the same money that you invested is beginning to work for you. And the longer you keep it in the bank or say withdraw it, is the more you're going to get to a point where that money will so much money. This is what people don't understand. The longer you stay on the way of God, is the easier. That's why the Bible is the path of the righteous. It shines white. Some of you live as well. The path of the righteous shines brighter and brighter. Why does it become brighter and brighter? Because you move into incremental growth. Soon you are healed by the stripes of Jesus. Soon your finances are soon Soon your relationship, okay, soon unforgiveness and bitterness. Soon your finances, you've moved into another area where God blesses you, coming in, blesses you, going out. And all of a sudden, everything. But here's the nice thing I like. Not only does the word of God grow, not only does it increase, Acts 19.20, it says, so muchly grew the word and prevailed. So who was alone? Now watch this, Bazalon. Look what Jesus says as I close in Mark 4, verse 30. Jesus says, how shall we picture the kingdom of God or the word of God? This is where he was teaching about the sower and the seed. By what parable shall we present it? It is like a mustard seed the word of God. It's like a mustard seed. It's like that yeast. When it is sown upon the soil is smaller than all the seeds. So when you start in these things of what not we are now you only have your little corner, right, Mara, everything else. Why waste this cut what 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 what? So if you don't know, you get discouraged because you think it's not working. Ah, eh, it's working. It's just that it's just this one plot. You still have many other plots to go. Jesus says that's how God's word works. When you sow it, when you start, it's the smallest seed. When you look at the word of God, where you are compared to everything in your life, it's like we are all. 
35 classroom they are not thinking about Orlando Stadium at that point. 1,000 rands, so you are celebrating, they are not thinking about the millions then. Mara, you must stay with it. Note what Jesus says. He says it's like the smaller. I, I, am, I, am I making sense to you people? Are you, are you hearing what I'm trying to say to you? Are you hearing what the word of God is trying to say to you? It's the smallest seed. Note Jesus says, verse 32, yet when it is sown, When it is so, you've got to sow it. Huh? Any seed, if you put a seed on the shelf, it doesn't matter if it is the high grade seed, triple A grade, it's not going to work. It's on the shelf. You can come to church, take the best notes, receive triple A preaching. If you don't sow it, if you don't believe it, if you don't act on it, if you don't do something about it, it's not going to grow. You'll have a powerful notebook. But a despicable life. When it's sown, what happens, Jesus? It grows up. You see, seeds are wired to grow when you sow them. A seed can help it. If you put it in the ground, it is pre-programmed to grow. It's been genetically encoded to release the life inside of it. When you sow the seed of healing, that seed of healing, when you listen to God's word on healing and you believe it on healing, that word is genetically encoded to produce healing. I tell you. Oh, when you sow God's word on freedom from habits, that word is genetically encoded to, to free you. So Jesus says, if you continue in my word, I tell you, he says, you are my disciples. He says, you will know the truth and it will set you free. God told you it will set you free. There's nothing that is too powerful that has bound you that God's word cannot deliver you from. No matter how many years it's been out of order, it can be about your family. It can be about your generation. It can be about your family line. That woman with the issue of blood, she had been sick for many years. She'd reached a point of no return. The Bible says she was sick and she was rather getting worse. But she heard. Easy. And when she heard, she came. She sold the word. She did something. Because what she heard, she says, it doesn't matter how long things have been out of guilt in my life. And that's why this is so important. You listening to the word today. What are you going to do with what you're hearing this morning? Jesus says when it's sown, it becomes the biggest hair. Look, I love this one. It grows up, becomes larger than all the garden plants and forms the large branches. Note, so that the birds of the air can nest under its source. You know what that means? Under its shade. When now things are working in your life, those people who used to criticize you, by our Sundays and now. Ba 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 ya ufunda lumtunzi lo. Umalume ati nomzala bengna we songkele skatmas. Now I believed you know he was criticizing you when you were praying, but now that he can see you are healed, you are prospering, things are working. Wei wei katameta now they want to share. And, and you learn when God starts blessing you, don't chase away people who are coming to you. They are coming to uh, Oh, come on, somebody. Oh, when problems are there, they know who to phone. Because they know how things are going to change. When things are not going well, they know who to go to for advice. Because they know how there's something different about what you're saying. Receive it in the name of Jesus in your life. I'll end with this. Years ago, I've told you this story before, I, 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 but it's a long time ago. I must tell it again. It comes to my mind now, and remember, I'm over 50. I have a right to tell the same story more than once. And comrades, you also have a right to listen to it like you have never heard it before. <laughs> 
I was conducting a wedding of one of our members in one of the areas, and I'll be more discreet the way I tell the story now. And in this area, the, you know, it's an area where I'm known when I was young. And to my shock and astonishment, after I had done the wedding, it was a great wedding and everything, then this elderly gentleman comes to me and said, yes, sir. Imagine now, it's so rare. <laughs> so now I greet him, he says, and I, I didn't know him, to be honest with you. He said, yeah, cake net. He's a hot man's no. All the men say is, Musa, he, Musa, I can't, and Mfundisi, Mfundisi, da, cake net, a hot kerken. All the men say, Bayako kerken, ya, how no, just a hot den, no. Now I was shocked. He says, "My lady, Runa how no hula, Haroba now fit and Eruhu bitter." And he used a swear word. He says, "How no fit and Eruhu bana tuen and tuen ayena ya." Are cake no, cake no. All the men are singing your praises. You know, but I didn't know whether to say thank you or give me shayenge bagel. But the brother was angry. But you know, when I read this verse, I realized. When you start, yes, I'm more. You're not hearing what I'm saying. Some of you this morning, how to have a guy who bought us all. So no, who Jesus is Mara, they don't know. I said they don't know. I said they don't know. Your tree is growing. I said your tree is growing. Your garden is getting better. Your branches are becoming stronger. You are becoming more anointed. You are becoming more stronger. Your path is become brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. You are moving from faith to faith. You are moving from strength to strength because of the dough that is working in your life. And God's word is producing results. Ababuwe. Skaba Quatella. Help them. Obanga tell the blessing. Oba fed peace. Lava Hobisa Mabiso. Can I hear a shot? But it all starts with a commitment to the word. It takes time. Mara is sure. And it's permanent. Yeah. On a recent trip, Lima Bishop, we, one night we slept in a B&B house which was built way back in uh, 1568. 1568. I slept in a house. 1568 it was built. You know, I was you know, building with stone and rock is so hard. It's so painful. It's so slow. Mara, it's so sure. It's so permanent. It is so multi-generational. 400 years later, that house is standing. I see your house standing. You and your children and your children's children. Mara, you are the one who was digging the foundation and rolling the stones into position. You are the one who had the bruises and the scars. You are the one who was sweating. You were insulted and people didn't believe you. But you were building for generations to come. I see that blessing upon you, upon your children and your children's children. When you build on the word, you're not building for one generation. Now your children and your children's children will be walking in a clean garden. They are born in a home of spirituality. From five years old, they can speak in other tongues. They don't know what poverty is. Come on, am I talking to somebody? Am I talking to somebody in the house? 
from a young age they can glorify God and magnify God because of you. But when they look back, there was somebody called you, somebody who labored, somebody who worked hard, somebody who was insulted, somebody who was called names. But it doesn't matter. You took your axe and you started digging. You kept on digging. You kept on digging day and night, day and night, year after year, year after year. I see God taking you to another level and your generation will blessed. And your children will rise up and call you blessed. And say, my granddad, my grandmother paid the price. And because of their labor and their faith, here we are today. So I want to encourage somebody today. Don't give up. Don't cast away your confidence. It is a great recompense of reward. You have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Keep on believing. Keep on hearing God's word. Keep on doing God's word. Keep on trusting God. Keep on standing on the word. Heaven and earth will pass away. But when you stand on your word, you will stand forever and forever and forever and forever for generations to come. And this is what we need to do. And God will grant us that mercy and that grace. Pindukulu Memo